Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up another week and hope that you are having a good day. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. Here's what we're going to be talking about. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association uh, addressing this issue about cattle marketing and price discovery. There are investigations, of course, going on on the federal level. Meanwhile, the uh, National Cattlemen's Beef Association has formed a working group, and they've put together a proposal. We're going to get the latest on that from uh, NCBA. We're going to talk harvest and markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net as we take a look at this uh, changing narrative in the in the grain markets, especially at the soybean market. And we'll get a harvest update from West Central Illinois. That's coming up on today's program. But as we mentioned yesterday, the American Farm Bureau Federation has decided that its annual meeting, its convention in January, will be held virtually. Now, more and more meetings are going that way. We know a number of state meetings have already announced they're going to be virtual or not held at all. Um, some national meetings have been uh, already announcing that their plans are to go virtual. Big dairy meeting with the National Milk Producers Federation this fall will be virtual. The National Biodiesel Conference next year will be virtual. But the one I think a lot of people have been waiting to see, the one that typically kind of kicks off the national uh, meeting season uh, each winter is the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention, and they announced yesterday they would be going virtual. Joining us now to explain that is Terry Moore, Vice President of Communications for the American Farm Bureau Federation. And Terry, thank you for joining us. Uh, this had to be a difficult decision. Take us through the process. I know you, uh, your members across the country always look forward to getting together and being face-to-face at the convention each year, so this had to be a tough decision for you. Well, thank you, Mike, for the opportunity to join you and talk about this. Uh, it actually wasn't really our decision. San Diego, the convention center where we were supposed to hold the convention, announced that they would not be able to accommodate us. That convention center is being used as a homeless shelter, and they've decided to do that through December. So there's no way they could accommodate us. And as you know, these things get negotiated. The locations get negotiated years ahead of time. So that, in addition to the fact that, of course, safety is our top priority, safety of attendees, safety of staff, et cetera. So, so yes, it's true. We are going virtual. And, and while we love seeing one another in person and look forward to getting back to that, we also want to take full advantage of the virtual opportunity. We're going to make it free for everybody, and we're going to give anybody who wants a window into the world of Farm Bureau that opportunity. So... We're, it's a new opportunity to line up more speakers, more panels, and really have some great timely discussions. Well, as you said, safety is the number one concern. Uh, when did you get word from San Diego? I mean, has have you been in contact with them and health department officials? Has there been dialogue going on up to this point? Our conventions team has been in, in continual communication with San Diego, and we were actually notified two days ago. So... Um, notified two days ago, worked out the details, announced it yesterday. Uh, but, but all along, Mike, I mean, for at least a month now, we have um, anticipated that this might be the case. 
So we had already begun work trying to assess what a virtual convention would look like. I think you bring up a good point. While I think the preference for for members would be to be in person and together, uh, one of the things we have seen with other events that have gone virtual, say the Farm Progress Show, um, it allowed more people to participate in the show or see what was going on at the show, access the information, people that would not have been able to go in person. So as you're saying, this opens up that opportunity for uh, anyone to uh, participate by watching uh, and hearing and, and getting the information from the meeting, people that might not have otherwise been there. That's exactly right, Mike. And we would welcome members and non-members alike. This is, this is a great opportunity to talk about the Farm Bureau family and what it means to be part of that family. We'll do some of our traditional convention activities, our YF&R competition and Innovation Challenge, our Distinguished Service Award, but we're also going to add some new elements and new speakers and, and really dive into what's happening across the country in agriculture at this crucial time. Well, we're all kind of learning, and for some of us, it's a little harder than for others, uh, learning the, the, the technology that's available to uh, access and be part of a meeting like this. So how will people be able to do it? Um, we are exploring platforms for such things and um, really assessing exactly that, Mike, the easiest way for people to be able to access it. What they can do for now is go to fb.org, our website, and if they click for updates on the convention, um, we'll send out all the information and instructions and obviously the registration link. As, we, as the agenda gets finalized, we'll send all that information. And we're hoping to have technical support available for if anybody's having trouble. I was going to say, in, in talking with people that have put on these virtual meetings, there there is certainly a lot of behind-the-scenes work that has to be done, a lot of the uh, uh, the support, the technical support that has to go into it. So, yeah, it'll take a while to bring all that together. And I will tell you, we have already, our staff has spent, I think it's fair to say, hundreds of hours already doing some of that assessing, monitoring how other shows go, you know, uh, determining lessons learned from those, and, and trying to bring together the best of all of that for a really tremendous convention. Now, what will the dates of the convention be? Uh, January 10th to the 12th, 14th. 10th to the 14th, sorry. 10th to the 14th. Now, will the sessions that will take place virtually, will they be accessible after those dates? Will they be up there so people can go at, at any time and, and rewatch them? They will. That's one of the great things about a virtual convention. Everything will be recorded and we'll have some sessions, in fact, some workshops on demand and some of them live. So we're going to have a good mix, but all of it will be available in recorded form on our website afterwards. So there are some advantages uh, to doing it this way. It's, it may not be the preferred way for those that are used to going, but uh, there are advantages. And again, we will keep people up to date uh, and let them know how they can get that information and be part of your annual meeting coming up in January. Terry, thanks a lot for explaining uh, what's been going on behind the scenes and, and, and letting us know what's going on there with your annual convention coming up in January. We'll try to keep people posted. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Good to talk to you, Mike. All right. Take care.
It's Terry Moore, Vice President of Communications for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So, again, the AFBF convention in January will be a virtual event, and as details become available, we'll pass those along to you as well. More and more meetings going that way. Not all. Uh, we'll be uh, also talking about ones that will still be held in person, but uh, several are now announcing that they are going virtual because of uh, the pandemic. All right, coming up next, the ongoing issue in, as far as cattle marketing is concerned and price discovery, investigations are underway, a proposal out from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We'll get the latest on that next here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're a part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, we have the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Joining us now is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. The index increased to 156 from 144 in August. Back in April and May, we're right around an index of 100. And so the index has increased dramatically since its uh, lows in, in April and May. If you look at the two subcomponents, the index of current conditions increased more than the index of future expectations. And I think that was due to two different things. One is the increase in, in prices, particularly corn and soybeans, from late July, early August into uh, September. But also, uh, this survey took place right after uh, the announcement of the second round of the uh, CPAP payments. So I think both of those things were important to the increase in index of current conditions and the increase in the Ag Economy Barometer Index. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. 
a message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Market manipulation, price discovery, these are not new concerns, but they've been highlighted, brought to the forefront even more, more focus put on them since the uh, that recent fire at the uh, plant in Holcomb, Kansas, and of course, uh, the ongoing uh, COVID-19 situation. Uh, investigations on the federal level have been and continue to go on. But in the meantime, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association has done some work on this issue as well. And here to talk about it is Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan, thanks for joining us. Um, I know that you have a working group within CBA that has looked at this issue. Uh, tell us what they are uh, looking at and what they've recommended. Thanks, Mike. We, we did uh, formulate some policy during our summer business meeting. Our producers and, and affiliates from across the country passed a policy that gave us direction to put a working group together and, and establish some regional negotiated trade thresholds or triggers uh, to, to determine whether or not we are uh, generating enough negotiated trade to really have that price discovery that we need in the marketplace. You know, we've seen a real drop-off in cash trade, negotiated trade with the onset of some of these alternative marketing arrangements, whether that's a formula or a grid contract. And those are things that our producers are asking for from, from the packing sector. But we need to make sure that we have enough underlying price discovery to, to inform those transactions. And, and what this group did was spend about two months um, working on a framework to look at those, at those metrics on a, on a quarterly basis moving forward um, using data from USDA, and we established two silos, one that, that focuses on regional negotiated trade, using the research that's out there right now um, for what we're calling robust price discovery. So that's enough cash trades or negotiated cash trades in, an, in a given week to, to generate real price discovery based on what the economic community is telling us. You know, that's, that's something like uh, 13,000 uh, is the top end robust number in Texas, 21,000 in Kansas, 36 in Nebraska, and so on. Um, so putting those targets out there there as a, as a goal to make sure that we're making progress toward that number uh, and, and generating that healthy negotiated trade. And what this group will do, Mike, with this framework, looking at both this negotiated trade silo that we're calling, we're, what we're calling a negotiated trade silo, and then another silo that's focused on packer participation by, by region, is, is do kind of a look back quarterly moving forward to determine whether or not we're getting those two pieces. So we're getting the volume, and then we're getting the quality of negotiated trade that we want to really generate price discovery. Safe to say you're not viewing this as a cure-all and something that would fix all the problems, but do you feel it, it would certainly uh, not only improve the situation, but uh, start things on a path towards uh, resolving some of the key issues? Well, I think that's a really good point. You know, I, there's, a, there's been a lot of conversation in the past year, uh, uh, unfortunately, I think, equating price discovery with price improvement, right? And, and, and they, they aren't the same thing. I mean, price discovery is, is just that. By, by making sure that we have robust price discovery, we are going to truly, you know, get these, get these animals appraised on that day. 
And that, that is an important part of this process, but, but improving prices that producers receive is a far more, uh, uh, far more detailed undertaking, something we're working on with hook space and, 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 and product differentiation and making sure that we have branding opportunities and, you know, all of those different ways that we, that we increase value um, and, and making sure that that money gets back down the supply chain and into the pockets of producers who are, who are creating that value. But the, the, the first step in that process is that price discovery piece. So no, it's not a cure-all, but it is an important barometer that, that we know has been insufficient in, in a couple key regions uh, for, for some time now. So this, this, this moves towards fixing that and making sure that we're really getting a, a good read week over week on, on what's really happening in the marketplace. We're talking with Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan, what would you say to those producers who are convinced that uh, the packers are taking advantage of the situations, such as whether it's that fire or the COVID situation, uh, that markets are being manipulated, and this is not going to change anything dramatically or fundamentally in, in their control over the price that producers get. Well, I, 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 first and foremost, I, I mean, I obviously understand the sentiment. I mean, we've been watching the same the same marketplace, and we have watched one side of the supply chain uh, take every advantage of of what has been probably the best buyer's market we've ever seen, um, and and that is a that is a, a, a really detrimental impact to our producers. I mean, they've they've watched. The packing sector, especially through the spring when we had that big spike in box beef prices, make. Uh, really, really, really robust profits on what they sold out the backside to the retail sector while driving the price down on the on the producers on the ground. Price discovery is one part of that, but we really need to be paying more attention to leverage on behalf of cattle producers around the country. We need to be having a robust conversation about how we make sure that uh, that the that the cattle producer has an equal footing in that conversation and isn't just at the mercy of those market forces on any given day. And and that's been too much of what we've seen here of late and and you know for for some time now. And there is a there's a strong element of that, Mike, that is just simple supply and demand. I, I wish there was a more complicated answer than that. But the the fact is, when we have a 15-year high cattle supply um, and finite hook space and and uh, uh, you know a, a steady demand or, or even a surging demand when that hook space is the contraction or the constriction point, that's that's a challenging that's a challenging environment for our producers to really get what they deserve for what they're producing. So we're going to continue to be focusing on that leverage piece, looking at expanding hook space, trying to do everything we can to rebalance that equation in favor of our producers. Legislation has been introduced and discussed in Congress about dealing with this issue. Is this in response to that? Would it be in? Would you like it to see it in place of, of legislation or uh, something to be considered by members of Congress in putting together legislation? How do you view those working together? Well, I think it's it's a lot of different people trying to solve the same problem, right? I think the difference in what we've put together with this framework is that we've put far more detail uh, out on 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 this than than some of these other bills. And there's that's not a, I'm not saying that as a criticism. It's just it is what it is. You know, a, a straight national percentage or or you know something like that is 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 a solution that we've heard quite a bit about, whether it's 5014 or 3014. What we've done is is go beyond that and really drill down to regionally specific needs because they are very different region by region and and you know no matter which economist you talk to they will tell you the same thing you need to get regional and that's something that Senator Fisher has has done with with her bill but she still puts the responsibility on USDA to to figure this this problem out and come back to us with a solution
solution. We're not comfortable in the in the cattle industry doing that. You know, I, I think I we have we have affiliates from coast to coast that uh, are in agreement that that it needs to be the industry that drives this solution. So this framework and analysis of of what's needed on a regional basis to to truly generate price discovery is 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 our way of of kind of leapfrogging some of those more high level conversations and really putting some numbers on the ground. What is the latest on the Department of Justice investigation into the cattle markets? Great question. I, I, you know, we are, I think, all waiting with bated breath to to hear the results of that investigation. Um, you know, I, 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 I. I think as, as much as everybody else would love for them to get something out the door so that, uh, you know, as an industry we can respond to that. We were appreciative of, uh, of uh, Undersecretary Ibaugh pushing his report out and, and his, uh, uh, you know, partial investigation back in July. I think those takeaways have been helpful in informing our work, uh, certainly Senator Fisher's bill as well, uh, the Price Act that Congressman Johnson from South Dakota put together. So when we get those pieces of information like that, it helps us move the conversation forward. It helps us diagnose problems and address them. So uh, whatever, whatever they have found as part of that investigation, uh, we, would, I mean, we would continue to stress that it's probably overdue at this point, and we'd like to see what they've found so we can, we can move to correct or do what we need to do uh, to, to get out of this issue and, and uh, start moving forward and improving prices. Where can uh, people access this information we've talked about today from your working group? So, so you know, I mean, what we're doing here is an internal policy process, and that's something that I, I feel like it's important to keep reminding people is, you know, the policy that was passed in Denver essentially tells us that we need to create a, a regional structure to analyze whether we have enough negotiated trade, and if we don't, if, if we fall below the, the level that's been set by this subgroup, and the subgroup, you know, remember, is put made up of members from Iowa cattlemen, Nebraska cattlemen, I mean, from these states that have been calling for 5014, as well as the states that are very opposed to it. Um, so, you know, putting this framework in place is, is really our way of saying, okay, we're going to be monitoring how this goes. We put some targets out there, and if we fall below those, our policy is very clear that we need to go to Capitol Hill in search of more more stringent solutions, uh, both to Capitol Hill and to USDA. So what this really is is, is, a, is a process of, of determining via our policy vehicle whether or not we need to step up to a, a more aggressive option or whether there's enough incentive out in the marketplace right now for, for the industry to, to truly produce the negotiated trade that is needed. What right. we're hearing is that they're willing to, so now let's see if they're actually willing to step up and do that. All right, Ethan, thank you for the update, for letting us know. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Up next, we talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. 
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Nearby, Chicago wheat futures trying to trend further into positive territory. Wheat futures were higher again in early trade, above 620 a bushel in early activity. For wheat, the main factor, according to the Wire Talk, continues to be tough weather conditions in Russia. December Chicago wheat an hour into the day at 619 up a penny. Kansas City wheat December down four and a half at 553 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December steady at 558 and three quarters of a cent. The back months bid a half cent to two cents lower. In corn, December up two cents, 405 and three quarters. March at 409 and a quarter up a penny and a quarter. November soybeans down five and three quarters at 1056 and a half. January down four and three quarters, 1057 and a quarter of a cent. In soybean meal, $3 to $5 lower per ton, near unchanged in soybean oil. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, an easier tone continues. We closed lower yesterday. December live cattle down 35 at 109.20. February down 67 at 111.80. Feeder cattle, November contract down $1.25 at 135.22. January feeders at 130.55 down $1.55. Cash cattle country said to be quiet so far today after sales this week on a live and dress basis have been generally a dollar lower compared to last week. Lean hog futures, December 60 cents higher, 70.52. The Dow up 302 points, S&P up 28, November crude oil down 44. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Harvest 2020 rolls on. Let's check in with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net in East Central Illinois. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, how far along are you? Well, to be honest, we're going to probably finish up today. Uh, we've gotten along extremely well. We've been at it about five weeks. And so, uh, you know, we're able to start early with some of that wet corn going into uh, actually into Decatur. You know, they were hunting for uh, wet corn early on, just trying to get their hands on some. And uh, we took them up on that and knocked out 500 acres the first week. And uh, basically, we haven't turned back since. So we've gotten along really well. And uh, as long as everything holds together, uh, we'll be done here this evening. How would you describe yields? As good as you thought or a little disappointing? Or maybe not quite as good as you'd hoped for or what? Yeah, I'd say overall we're uh, very pleased. On beans, uh, better than what we thought after the August dryness. On beans, uh, we, we've been surprised, and we've had a lot of 80-plus beans. Uh, you know, I would say our average is going to be uh, uh, it's going to be better than APH by uh, several bushels. And so we feel pretty good about bean yields, corn yields, a little more variable, but still uh, on the high end, really good. On the low end, not too bad. I'd say, uh, yeah, I keep talking to a lot of producers that are saying good, not great on uh, corn yields. And I'd say that's kind of where we're at as far as the average goes. Uh, really good corn yields overall, and we're going to be pretty close to our APH, maybe just a shade above it, uh, but certainly, uh, relatively speaking, not as good as what I would say we feel about uh, the soybean uh, yields. Weather has allowed you to really stay out and keep at it and get done or close to done, as you mentioned, uh, very, you know, at this date here, we are mid-October, but there are concerns about how dry it is. We know in, in the northern part of Illinois, there have been some, some pretty bad fires. Oh, yeah, there's been terrible fires. There was one just south of us around Altamont two days ago, and uh, one of our clients lost uh, a couple of fields of corn out of that. So uh, definitely one of those things where, you know, you you got to hesitate on whether you're going to bring your trucks into the field. Uh, whenever you're going to load. I know that it's a convenient thing to do sometimes, but uh, you certainly don't want to tempt fate whenever you're talking high winds and just excessively dry conditions. You know, you get out of the combine and uh, uh, it's almost slick on the ground just uh, due to the fact that, uh, uh, you know, these corn leaves are as dry as a bone. And uh, boy, it's been uh, it's been a precarious week, I think, for a lot of producers. And that'd be, the, you know, the number one thing I'd impress upon people is they try to get wrapped up, you know, or, you know, the farther along they get. I know everybody's tired, but still, take every precaution you can because it's as dry as I, as I believe I can remember it. And you mentioned being tired. I mean, uh, this has been an extended window. We usually talk about short windows sometimes at, at harvest, but this has been an extended window where many farmers have just gone almost nonstop for, as you said, weeks. Oh, I know. I mean, to be honest with you, I told my wife, I said, uh, I'm almost afraid that if I get home early tonight, nobody's going to know who I am because they haven't seen me uh, at a decent time of night for several weeks. But, uh, you know, we've been running hard uh, essentially for five weeks without a break. I mean, a couple of the shower systems that's moved through that some people have been able to get, uh, we haven't gotten. And so, uh, you know, we've definitely been running as hard as you could possibly run. And uh, bottom line for us is it's been nice to get through it like this, but at the same time, uh, you got to take a break every once in a while and get a little bit of rest because uh, the the more tired you get, you know, the more uh, problems you can have and uh, uh, accidents out in the field. And we certainly don't want anybody getting hurt. 
We're talking with Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net. Well, let's talk about the markets, Matt, and uh, the the ongoing story here of 2020, of especially in the soybean market, how things have changed so much from uh, earlier this summer uh, from a stock standpoint and uh, certainly a price standpoint. We, we've changed, we've flipped the script here. Yeah, I mean, now that you've got soybeans uh, posting a under 300 uh, carryout at 290, there's no doubt that it leaves you in a situation where you can't really trim yield much whenever we're looking at USDA, not to mention exports could continue to climb. Uh, we keep seeing these surprise announcements almost every day. Exports again this morning were fantastic. Uh, bottom line, I guess, I guess, with soybeans is that everything has changed, just as you suggested. It's a completely different dynamic that we're looking at at this stage of the game. The interesting thing this week, though, is that whereas soybeans have taken the lead here uh, for the last few weeks, corn's actually been the one that's taken the lead, getting a little more limelight. We've seen a couple of these days with beans trading sharply lower. All of a sudden, you look over at corn, we're two, three, four, five cents higher, and it pulls the bean market higher. So the nice thing is that the corn markets decided to join the party and uh, definitely uh, making everybody feel just a little bit better uh, about the corn situation as well. Well, how are you feeling about how long this scenario plays out, or do you think this is just short term? That's that's the big question, and I think that uh, whenever I stop and look at this corn situation, I think the USDA is too low on exports. Uh, pulling 100 million bushels out of feed and residual usage was probably not the right thing to do considering animal units. And so I think that their demand's actually too low at this stage of the game. Uh, God forbid that we have to drop yields, and I'm not so sure that we won't considering the dry finish. You know, I got to think that some of the early yields for both corn and beans are probably going to be some of the more impressive yields this fall. And so if you come in here in November and say, guess what? You know what? We're going to have to drop corn and beans a half bushel to a bushel. You know, those are bushels that we can't really be affording to lose. So I'm not so sure that I think this rally is over with anytime soon. But at the same time, a producer uh, would certainly, uh, I don't think it would be wise by any stretch of the imagination uh, to ignore a 90 cent rally off the lows in corn and a couple of dollars in beans. I think rewarding the market on a portion of these bushels and giving yourself the opportunity to uh, to participate if it goes on up with something on a limited risk basis makes a heck of a lot more sense than to let it all ride. So are the two big things to watch now, China purchases and weather in South America? Absolutely. You know, if they do end up getting enough rainfall in uh, Brazil and Argentina, it's going to change the dynamics of the bean market for sure uh, and somewhat uh, the corn market as well. We all know that Argentina, you know, they're going to export 50% or more of the world soybean mill on a yearly basis. So a lot of the rallies we've seen in the past on soybeans have been led by a really strong soybean meal market due to Argentina. And so keep a very close eye on the weather there. And then if China continues to purchase, you know, as, as my group uh, thinks that they will, there's no question that it will be an underpinning support for the market, both corn and beans, that, you know, could give us the opportunity to see prices uh, be pretty darn strong here for a while yet. So if both would stay strong, that makes an even more interesting question about acres planted next year. That's an excellent point, Mike. And I've been saying, you know, you might get a good old-fashioned acreage battle. Uh, we haven't seen that for a long time. It's almost been hot potato the last couple, three years, not knowing which one, you know, which one of these markets is, is 
trying to discourage acres uh, more so, whether it was corn or beans. I think that you're going to see uh, corn and beans kind of battling for acreage this next year. Uh, now, does that mean we're going to rally sharply? I'm not so sure because we've already rallied so much, but uh, there's no doubt that uh, you look out uh, with a fair amount uh, lower price, you know, for next year on uh, uh, corn, more so on beans, you know, November beans still in that those 970, 975 areas. You know, I think that you could see uh, – you could see both of those not only stabilize, but maybe even rally a bit, uh, probably in that crop insurance time frame, uh, whenever we're trying to figure out what acreage might look like. Yeah, how much rally is left in the rally? That's the big question. Um, you know, if, if there was a major weather problem in South America, what, what would that mean? I mean, that, that would seem to really open the door. Yeah, if there's a major weather issue in South America, I could see your bean market, you know, uh, going to $12 pretty quickly. Uh, if you have a significant enough event that you think that the Brazilians will not be able to, you know, export, uh, uh, export uh, soybeans like uh, most people are assuming that they will. Uh, and, and also whenever you look at Argentina from the soybean meal situation. So uh, bottom line for me moving forward is that uh, uh, you got to keep a close eye there. Looks to me like they're going to get decent rain over the next two weeks, though, so I don't want to get too wildly bullish there. I've got to uh, be a little bit skeptical, you know, and still reward the market with some of these rallies. Yeah, let's look at the other side of that. Let's say it looks like they're going to have a a big crop down there. How much of a lid does that put on, on the market, or do our reduced stocks offset that enough? Well, there's no doubt that if they have a big crop, you're probably looking at uh, uh, a rally that uh, may have a hard time continuing, especially whenever we're looking at soybeans. Uh, I've got to think, though, that uh, this corn market uh, might have an opportunity because I think there's more demand adjustments to be made to corn uh, than what there would be for soybeans, relatively speaking. And so, um, you know, I think the best way to approach it from a soybean price standpoint is, you know what, I'm going to quantify my situation and, and make sure I get some of these sales on the books. Uh, you know, and, and again, if you want to participate, you can do so and maybe throw 20 cents on the table. Don't get too crazy about it because I don't want to make a good sale or bad sale. As far as corn goes, I like keeping corn ownership. If I'm selling across the scale, I want to reown it. I think you can reown it uh, on paper a heck of a lot cheaper than what you can uh, as far as paying commercial storage goes. So that probably makes more sense to me. And if you got storage at home, I like storing the corn. But, you know, if you get too many eggs on the or too many, I guess, too many eggs in one basket, you probably want to be in the situation where you have a floor under you just in case everything changes. All right, Matt, stay safe and uh, wrap up that harvest. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mike. Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Coming up next, we'll get another harvest update as Harvest 2020 rolls on. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. 
Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose propane from FS. With Propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane. Feels like home. Visit fspropane.com. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us is Greg Tilka. He is an Iowa State nematologist, and you have some new information showing the conditions this year in soybean fields could have an impact on SCN populations two years from now when those fields go back to soybeans. This observation that scientists have had for years and years was that it seemed like soybean cyst nematode reproduced better in dry soils. In other words, numbers increase quicker. Just a few years ago, we did an extensive uh, survey or study of 15 years of data over 25,000 research plots, and that trend appeared. SCN numbers increased more in dry soils and in hot soils. And so 
we're a little concerned that SCN numbers might be really high this fall. You're in the corn bean rotation. That means there'll be really high numbers waiting for the next soybean crop. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we just heard from Matt Bennett in East Central Illinois saying that uh, they may wrap up harvest today. Uh, Let's go across the state to West Central Illinois. Donnie Hedden joins us from just outside of Jacksonville, Illinois, where I'm at. Donnie, I know uh, you're you're done with beans, aren't you? Yeah, we got done uh, earlier on in the week, finally. How did they turn out? We had a lot of dry weather in August. Do you think that uh, took uh, the top off your yield? It may have taken some of it off. I, I think they were they were, kind of what we expected. Uh, we had some fields we thought were, were extra good. A couple we were disappointed in, but overall, probably pretty good, I'd say. Did they get too dry when you were harvesting? We did not necessarily have that problem. Uh, I heard somebody yesterday say that it got down in the single digits as far as moisture. We didn't have that. Our, ours were, especially the earlier ones, were maybe a little wet, but I'd rather have them that way than way too dry. Mm-hmm. So how far along are young corn? I was going to tell you I was. we were about halfway, but my son... Uh, Reminded me a little earlier, we've got a ways to go yet, so we're not halfway yet, but uh, striving to get there. Uh huh. And how have your corn yields been so far? Probably on average, I guess. Uh, some of them have been a little better. Uh, they're, pro- they're probably mid-range and up to standard, I guess. Uh, have you got to what you think will be your best corn yet? I think our earlier stuff was some of our best, and we have some of it yet to go. Uh, It's all, I don't know which one will be the best one. They're all kind of right in the the same area there. So we're pretty happy with what we got, considering the dry August we had. Yeah. Watching that yield monitor, have you seen uh, big swings, a lot of variability across the field? Oh, I saw it yesterday. We we were in a field... uh, on one end, it's it's level and, and black and good, and it's, the corn was excellent. And we get to the other end, and it falls off in, in the clay and on a hillside, and it was really spindly. And all in all, the, the average is good, but we really had a big variation in this field, especially. So I know you you did apply some fungicide this year. You think that's that has helped? Well, I think it did on beans. 
uh, we didn't have a test this year. We we've been testing it, and it's been paying. Uh, and and I think it paid overall on all the beans. Corn, uh, I don't know yet. We haven't we haven't tried it. It looks like it's going to pay, but I don't know if it's a great big difference or not. We'll we'll know more when we get done when we could look at the yield maps and see where we've been. How have test weights been? Probably not as high as usual, and I don't know what to attribute that to. Uh, we usually see some over 60 pounds, and the tickets I've seen, they just haven't been quite that heavy yet. Did you have much insect or uh, disease uh, pressures this year? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, my son Jason and I were just talking and we were going through the cornfield, and uh, this number of corn, still it's, it's dry, but it still has some green leaves on it. So I, I don't know that we had a great deal. We were kind of looking for some uh, uh, disease pressure, but I don't know that we saw any. And we didn't put fungicide on everything. We just did it on certain numbers. And uh, we may regret it, but so far I haven't seen that yet. Stock quality has been pretty good? Yes, and we've had a, a good amount of wind, as you well know. And uh, for the most part, yes, it's stand, standing very well. I think these new hybrids have got some good stock quality. And we're, we're fortunate we're not like the people in, in Iowa that have all of it down. So uh, I, really, I really feel sorry for those folks. How is the uh, movement been as far as moving the grain? Uh, have there been backups? Uh, what about any storage issues that you're hearing about? No storage issues that I'm aware of. Backups, yes. We had to wait uh, on our soybeans several times. Our trucks were backed up a, just maybe a mile or so, waiting to try to get into a, to the big river terminal we've got. And uh, I don't know if there's backups everywhere, but a couple places there have been backups. So we, we have waited, and we're waiting a little bit now on corn. But uh, overall, uh, we've got a big, big outlet in Jacksonville, and things are moving really good through there. Uh, overall, I'd say it's going fairly well. We are fortunate here in, in West Central Illinois. You do have several options as far as uh, moving grain, don't you? Yes, we are very fortunate here. Uh, last year, we talked to, talked about an ethanol plant in the area, and that didn't happen. That would have been another good option. But we're we're fortunate. We've got rail, and we got the river system both. So we're so, very fortunate. Uh, where are you compared to an average year? As far here we are, uh, you know, mid October, and uh, you're done with beans, and you're close to getting close to half done on corn. How does that compare with most of your average years? Well, I would say usually we get to start ahead of when we did here, and so I, we think we're a little little behind on where we should be, um, but we, we've had good harvest weather. And, and just moved moved right right through it. Uh, too good a harvest weather, really. We're so dry now; mm -hmm. we really need a rain. Yeah, we sure do. And yeah, there haven't been many breaks in this harvest. That's for sure. All right, Donnie. Thanks a lot. Have a safe rest of the way, you and Jason. And uh, hope to see you at church on Sunday. Okay. Thank you, Mike. 
All right, thanks. Donnie Hedden Farms, uh, West Central Illinois, just, just right near me here in Jacksonville, Illinois. That wraps it up for today and for the week. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a safe weekend, everyone. Join us again on Monday right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.